What's up, you guys? This is Gemini21, a.k.a. Ray the Lamb, and you're listening to Universal Chit Chat, BKA Universal Spirit Music 8. I said I would be back, so I'm back, and I'm here to have a little random chit chat with you. My random chit chat is going to be 10 psychological tricks that can make your life much easier. So, one of the first subjects I want to talk about right now is mental health. Okay, so we're going to talk about mental health real quick. Bing, bam, boom. Bing, bam, boom. Okay, mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act over the course of your life. If you experience mental health problems, your thinking, mood, and behavior could be affected. So, Throughout your life, things that happen to you can affect the way that you think, the way that you feel, and the way that you act. Yes. All right. So, types of mental health professionals, which are, one is a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor first and foremost. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor first and foremost. A psychologist is a professional who does psychotherapy and has a doctorate degree such as a PhD. You have clinical workers, clinical social workers, you have psychiatric nurses, you have marriage and family therapists, licensed professional counselors and others. All right. It's psychology, mental health. Mental health is the level of psychological well-being or an absence of mental illness. It is the state of someone who is functioning at a satisfactory level of emotional and behavioral adjustments. What does a psychologist do in mental health? Clinical psychologists assess, diagnose, and treat individuals suffering and from suffering from psychological distress and mental illness. They also perform psychotherapy and develop treatment plans. Clinical psychologists often work in hospitals, mental health clinics, and private practices, okay? So that's a little bit of information about some mental health issues, mental health, and here are quick five major categories of mental illness, anxiety disorders, mood disorders, schizophrenic and psychotic disorders. So the top five um, mental disorders, illnesses would be anxiety disorders, panic attacks, physical symptoms such as pain, nausea and headaches, nightmares, obsessive thoughts, fear of leaving the house. Give me a second here fear of leaving the house so that's an anxiety attack and a panic attack so we have anxiety disorders mood disorders schizophrenia and psychotic disorders dementia and eating disorders those are the top five mental illnesses okay so you just heard what an anxiety disorder is an anxiety disorder is give me a second Well, an anxiety order is like when you have um, 
an effect okay an anxiety disorder affects approximately 40 million american adult ages 18 years and older each year anxiety disorders are a form of mental illness that causes people to experience distressing and frequent bouts of fear and apprehension many will experience these feelings when periodically doing things like publicly speaking or a job interview those with anxiety disorders experience these feelings frequently and for an extended period of six months or more if not treated these symptoms can worsen and increase including panic attacks physical symptoms such as pain nausea and headaches nightmares excessive thoughts fear of leaving the house common diagnosis of mental illness under the category of anxiety disorders include panic disorders obsessive obsessive compulsive disorder post-traumatic stress disorder social phobia social anxiety disorder and general lies anxiety disorder GAD so this is obsessive compulsive disorder OCD post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD social phobia social anxiety disorder generalized anxiety disorder GAD mood disorders okay so mood now I want to because I did skip past a part which it says basically which it says basically stigma and mental illnesses when you're concerned about your mental illness and that or that of a loved one you should take you should talk to a qualified health provider many people with mental illnesses may feel stigmatized for their condition but treatment for these disorders has come a long way mental illness requires the same need for treatment and many physical ailments so yes i think that is very good information to provide for people like myself who may feel you know categorized and pushed into sort of a corner because of the illnesses that we do have mentally um i feel like there is no one to talk to or no one no way to get help um mood disorders everyone of us has experienced feelings of sadness irritability or a general case of the blahs at one time or another while bad moods are common and usual pass in short usually pass in short period people suffering with mood disorders live with most sustained and severe symptoms and disruption people living with this mental illness find that their mood impacts both mental and psychological well-being nearly every day and often for much of the day it is estimated that one in ten adults suffer from some type of mood disorder with this common with the common ooh, with the most common conditions be, being depression and bipolar disorder with proper diagnosis and treatment most of those living with mood disorders lead healthy normal and productive lives if left untreated, the illness can affect role functioning, quality of life, and many chronic physical health disorders such as diabetes and heart disease. Hmm. That is a mood disorder. So I know that there are people out there dealing with uh, emotional unstableness. And if you are, there's a possibility that you could have a mood disorder if you just don't know why you are upset or feeling a particular way out of nowhere and it's all over the place one minute you could be happy the next minute you could be sad okay next schizophrenia and psychotic disorders schizophrenia is a serious brain disorder that is 
marked by significant changes and disruption in both cognitive and emotional functions. Schizophrenia has an effect on the most basic human aspects of life, e.g. language, communication, train of thought, perception of objects, self, and others. The most common symptom of schizophrenia include hearing voices, hallucinations, delusions, social withdrawal, incoherent speech, abnormal reasoning, dementia. Dementia is distinguished. This is the next one. Dementia. Dementia is distinguished by a disruption of consciousness as well as changes in cognitive... That was funny, you guys. Live. Real life. The chain, as well as the changes in cognitive health, such as memory loss and motor skills. The most common form of dementia include Alzheimer's disease, health conditions, head trauma, HIV, Parkinson's, and substance-induced dementia, drug alcohol abuse, inhalants, or exposure to toxins. Okay, guys, that was a quick interlude. And up next, we were talking about mental health. So we are discussing now eating disorders. Eating disorders are serious chronic conditions that can be life-threatening if left untreated. These conditions typically take root during the adolescent years and primarily affects females. While there are variations in the expression, symptoms, and course of eating disorders, the common thread is that they all involve obsessive and sometimes distressing thoughts and behaviors including reduction of food intake, overeating, feelings of depression or distress, concern of weight, body shape, poor self-image. At the onset, these disorders begin with the person eating smaller or larger portions than usual. However, over time urges to decrease or increase the amount of food eaten take hold and the illness escalates the three most common types of eating disorders are anorexia nervosa self-starvation bulimia nervosa binge eating followed by purging fasting or excessive exercise binge eating disorder, episodes of uncontrolled eating without the abusive of laxative, without the abuse of laxative or vomiting associated bulimia. Yes, so those are the different types of mental disorders and how many of you even realize that Eating disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder was a type of mental disorder. So, for identifying and treating eating disorders, the National Institute of Mental Health estimates that more than 45 million Americans have a mental health illness in any given year. The only one with only about half seeking treatment, while the majority of us will have concerns about our mental well-being from time to time mental health illness is a diagnosed is diagnosed when 
there are ongoing and increasing signs and symptoms begin to cause continuous stress and impact our quality of life and our ability to function right so mental health awareness is real you guys so that was a quick brief description of mental illness mental health illness what it is a couple different kinds different kinds of people healthcare mental health care professionals this information I think would be useful for other people next up I'm going to be talking about the 10 psychological tricks that can make your life much easier chit chat i am here to have some universal random chit chat and discuss i want to discuss 10 psychological tricks that can make your life much easier let me say that again 10 psychological tricks that can make your life much easier yes okay so first off we were just discussing mental health and um we were discussing mental health ailments different mental health issues but psychologically in general here are 10 psych tricks because see your mind the same way that your mind can be tricked in a negative way your mind can be tricked in a positive way you can trick yourself um tricking yourself sometimes works sometimes like the placebo effect okay so Communicating and dealing with people can be hard for everyone at one point or another, whether it's hard work-related or if it's pleasure. It's important to learn these psychological tricks to make things run more, much more smoothly. These are not to be confused with ways to maliciously manipulate others in getting what you want, but to simply improve overall communication and relationships with others. So, as I said, there is psychology in a negative way and there's psychology in a a positive way. And it means that there's psychology in more than one positive and negative way. One of the negative positive, one of the negative psychology methods is to use psychology, reverse psychology, to hurt, harm, trick, deceive manipulate others and that's not something that we want to talk about right now because that is not what we're talking about and that's not what we're doing so please if you're listening to this and you receive any of the information that comes from me do not use it in a negative manner or a negative form thank you okay so number one if you look into someone's eyes when you get a dissatisfactory answer when you like you somebody's talking to you and you get an answer that you don't like Sometimes we don't like the answer to a question that we receive, and sometimes we don't understand it. Instead of repeating the question or asking another, look into the eyes of the person. This will make the person feel under pressure or more concerned, and this will force them to further elaborate their thoughts. Well, 
I believe that's true. And basically what they're saying is if you can't understand or you don't understand or you're not receiving what the person is saying to you, look them in your their eyes a little bit harder, a little bit longer, and they'll kind of start to receive the the sign and signal from you that they don't understand and they just don't get it and that will put you under some type of anxiety some type of pressure which will force you to respond socially will respond back verbally to them with an answer that is more detailed for you to be able to understand and receive all right so number two Stay calm when someone raises their voice to you. Okay, I'm flipping the pages. Yes, you hear it. Real life, real life. Stay calm when someone raises their voice to you. Make a strong effort to remain calm when a loud mouth acts out. It's usually in anger. When a loud mouth acts out, it's usually in anger. And our behaviors can sometimes unintentionally provoke that the feelings of anger usually quickly subside and guilt will set in and usually this person is the first to ask for forgiveness so basically when being if you stay calm when someone raises their voice at you if you just kind of stay silent and idle and remain calm and don't move don't say anything you just kind of look around and it'll make a person uncomfortable and make them feel like they did something wrong because sometimes when people are already mad and angry our gestures and our movements and the way that we respond to what's going on may provoke them to behave more irrationally or aggressive towards us and some get ourselves caught in a situation that could make them more aggressive towards us because we're behaving in a particular manner and if we just behave what we really are at that moment like say if you're just innocent bystander and you're just caught in line of fire that's what you are so what would you have to say say nothing do nothing um and they will feel guilty about what they are the way that they're acting they will feel ashamed um number three sit close to the aggressor to avoid attack okay so i guess this is what it means if you're heading into a meeting and you know you'll be in the room with an aggressive person you know the discussion may become heated or you may be subjected to negative criticism make a point to sit next to that person you may feel uncomfortable and awkward but you won't be the only one. Close proximity is known to make people uncomfortable, which will lessen the level of aggression they plan to exercise. So, so when someone you know is pissed off and they mad, or they're easy to get mad and angry, you want to, when you first walk in the room, you want to sit next to them. You want to sit as close as possible them without making them angry but making them uncomfortable is the 
goal that you want because and remember we said this is not to use in a negative manner but this is the goal you want you want to make them uncomfortable so that you won't be the target of some negative conversation or negative venting all right so number four remember everyone's name if you want to be popular so if you want to be popular with your peers and colleagues make it a habit to start calling people by their first names when speaking to them a person feels instantaneously special when you call him or her by their first name and i know that that's true because there have been moments when i walk into a room and everybody knows my name you want to go where everyone knows your name and i probably sang the song wrong i know i did but you know what song i'm talking about cheers this is so true when people when you walk into a room and everyone knows your name it instantly makes you feel comfortable it makes you feel welcome and it makes you feel very joyful and happy inside because people took the time out of their time and their day to remember my name so if you want to be liked by people then remember their names when you're introduced to them that's something just to start in general for anybody just remember people's names okay next number five write down your thoughts when you feel stressed or anxious write down your thoughts when you feel stressed or anxious we all feel a level of mental stress or anxiety at some point write down your thoughts in a journal and then close it up believe it or not you will be able to focus on your work more easily because you have now shared your thoughts with someone when you share them you will feel the burden on your mind reduced so when you write down your thoughts that's why everybody is always like well write it down in your diary write it down in a journal just write your thoughts down write how you feel down that's because it's easier to not think about it when you write it down and if it's not on your brain you're not thinking about it you wrote it down it's off your brain it's on this now it's off your brain and it's on the piece of paper so whenever you need to remember it or you need to think about it because you need to make space and room to think about other things so you can relax about it you take and you prioritize you take the things that are less important to you and you take them off your brain and you write them down on a piece of paper and then you prioritize the things that are important to you inside your brain even if you prioritize on a piece of paper the things that are very important to you and things that are less important to you will still be very helpful all right so number six give yourself fewer choices when you can't make a decision so some people believe that it is better to have more choices and more information and actually they prefer to have more however it is actually paralyzing to have too many there is evidence that shows that having four options at a time is the maximum number we can consider and still make a choice in order to be an effective decision maker you should only give yourself a few options at a time this will allow you to to consider this will allow you time to consider each one while giving you enough space between looking at a new set of options so this is basically saying if you are a person who has a hard time making the decisions even if you're not a person who has a hard time making decisions you should give yourself less decisions so you can make an easier decision so say if you have five 
pictures on the table. Take two of the pictures to the side and say, which one of these do I like better? Okay. And then this is only, you know, if you have a, a choice and if you don't like either one of them better, then push them to the side. Or if you like, sorry, did I just mix you guys up? Let me say this again. I've just bounced all over the place. Mental issues. But anyways, what it's saying is, say if you have five different plates on the table and someone tells you to pick two of the best ones that you like it may be very difficult for you to be able to choose two from the five that you have placed in front of you so what you should do is you should designate two of them and you should decide which of those ones you like the best or which one if you even like either one of them the best because it'll help you make an easier decision and a quicker more precise decision if you decide on choosing from a lower amount of options, the lesser the options, the more apt you are to make a quicker decision. It's easier to make a decision when you don't have so many things to choose from, basically. All right? Seven, right posture can boost confidence. This psychological trick applies to both work and pleasure. It can drastically improve your dating life and help you move up the ladder at work. How you can become confident, do you ask? The best way to do this is through your posture. If you allow yourself to take up more space, you're more likely to feel more confident. This is referred to power language. So basically right here what they're saying is that when you have confidence in yourself others are more attracted to you in all types of ways so when you have confidence about yourself and you hold your head up high and your back arch straight and you walk in with confidence people are drawn to you in a different manner they feel like if you like yourself then they like you you want yourself they want you so they are drawn to you it is um right here it says it the right posture can boost confidence so if you sit up more at work or at home it shows a proudness about oneself so that makes a person if you're proud of yourself then they have something to to wonder about what are they proud about what is it about them Okay, so number eight, surefire way to win in rock, paper, scissors. So this one is definitely intriguing. When you're about to play this famous game, ask your opponent a random question right before this typically this typically will throw your confused opponent off. And more often than not, they will throw up scissors. <laughs> So I don't know if this is a proven fact, but it just basically says if someone's about to play rock, paper, scissors, if you say something to throw them off in the beginning, like a quick question, they will automatically throw up scissors. So we'll see. It says short, far away. We will see. Um, and matter of fact, we're going to do that on one of the next segments with you guys. I'm just going to throw out rock, paper, scissors, and we're going to say what we get here. Okay, so many people, this is number nine, many people make me who sorry make people feel needed when you ask for help so make people feel needed when you ask for help if you need someone's help start off with the phrase i need your help 
People like to feel needed and they hate feeling guilty. By starting off the conversation with the phrase, you're more likely to receive the help you need. So basically design basically deciding, yes, by saying I need is making them know that you need them and they get to understand basically that you're saying you're needing them and they hate feeling guilty to say I need your help you know help it should make a person feel guilty off top that is one thing I know that the word help should make a person feel guilty off the top so I need meaning I need you and help meaning I need your help um help is you know please (laughs) so next 10 is warm your hands up before shaking hands with others hmm i wonder how that helps it says did you know that cold hands are linked to distrust oh wow when you're about to touch someone or shake their hand make sure that their hands are warm warm hands promote a friendly atmosphere so basically warm hands are warmer like some like some sometimes somebody want to say oh well i'd like to give you a hug a warm embrace because a warmer embrace is more comforting it's warm and it's more trusting than cold small cold frail arms that don't hold tight and can't secure so warm is more secure and the cold is less secure is more unstable um here are some other psychological tricks though if you think that someone care doesn't care for you ask him or her to borrow your pen pen or pencil so if you think that someone doesn't like you just ask them to use a pen or a pencil i'm sure that means that if they let you see it they they like you and if they don't let you see it then they don't like you he doesn't really have a result right here these are just extras if you can't seem if you can't seem to get a song out of your head, try remembering the end of it. So I think that's a way to get a song out of your head because I, we've seen the same thing over and over again. That's how it sticks in our head. If you need help carrying something, try talking to the person while handing them whatever it is. They will most likely not even realize you're handing them something and they will just take it. So I've been a victim of this behavior a lot, which people do and and I know a lot of people have had to deal with this which is people ask you stuff why you doing something don't ask me nothing why I'm doing nothing either you're not gonna get it at all or either you're gonna get it from me because you're tricking me and you know I'm not paying no attention so right next during an introduction make a note of someone's eye color you're not going to use this information it's just important to take it note of it it's a technique to achieve optimum eye contact. People find this friendly and confident. So, I'm guessing during the introduction, make a note of someone's eye color. You're not going to use this information. It's just important to take note of it. It's a technique to achieve optimum eye contact. So, basically, once you stare at a person long enough to figure out what their eye color is then it attains it gives you where they'll start contacting you like which some people don't want people to contact them have direct eye contact with them but it's a way to make a person you know 
it set up some type of connection for eye contact. All right, so guys, those were the 10 psychological tricks that can make your life much easier. All right, so you can try some of those tricks to see if it works for you. And remember, we said we don't do negative over here, so you have to use these 10 psychological tricks in a positive manner, okay? So, that was Gemini 21, and I'm going to take a quick break right now, and then I'm going to come back to you guys with Resource Corner, and I think we are going to wait so you can find out what the topic of Resource Corner is when I come back, all right? Yeah. It's Gemini 21, a.k.a. Ray the Lamb, and you are listening to Universal Chit Chat, BKA, Universal Spirit Music 8, and this is Resource Corner, and um, basically, I've been talking about today the topic of some types of mental health illnesses and also psychological tricks that people can use to make their life easier. So I don't really want to intertwine these two, but it's kind of like they're they're already intertwined because they're about mental mental situations, mental health, mental um, mental period. So I just want to throw in here a little information about because earlier we I was talking about mental health issues, different sorts, and here is one of them, which would be Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's Association, yes. Um, So, let's read about Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, important facts and figures. Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. More than 5 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. By 2050, this number could rise as high as 16 million. 35% of caregivers for people with Alzheimer's or other dementia report that their health has gotten worse due to care responsibilities compared to 19% of caregivers for older people without dementia. In 2017, Alzheimer's and other dementias will cost the nation $259 billion. By 2050, these costs could rise as high as $1.1 trillion. More than 15 million Americans provide unpaid care for people with Alzheimer's or other dementia. These caregivers provide an estimated 18.2 billion hours of care valued at over, hmm, and this was in 2016. It kills more than breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. One in three seniors dies, all dies without Alzheimer's or other dementias who we are and how we help. Now this is, remember I told you, the Alzheimer's Association. Who we are. Currently, more than 5 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's disease and over 15 million are serving as their caregivers. The Alzheimer's Association works to address the global Alzheimer's disease epidemic by providing education and support 
to the millions who face dementia every day while advancing critical research towards methods of treatment prevention and ultimately a cure the alzheimer's association is the nation's largest voluntary health association in alzheimer's care support and research since 1890 the cleveland area chapter of the alzheimer's association has provided free support services to individuals and their families living in ashtabula Cuyahoga, Geauga, Lake, and Lorain counties. We operate in a spirit of inclusiveness and welcome the power of diversity, especially those who have been under, underserved or underrepresented. Underrepresented. Nah, messed that bird up, didn't I? We provide free programs and services in support of all forms of dementia. The helpline, our free 24/7, our free 24/7 helpline, 800-272-3900. Their number is 800-272-3900. In fact, by specialists who offered information on memory loss medications, treatment options, safety, caregiving tips, services, referral and guidance, and of on issues faced at any stage you can also email them at cleveland helpline cleveland-helpline at alz.org cleveland-helpline at alz.org or you can chat with them at alz.org slash cleveland their support groups are and remember we are talking about alzheimer's association their support groups they offer more than 40 monthly peer and professionally led support groups in their five county service areas. Each group provides information and support for caregivers and others dealing with Alzheimer's disease. Yes, notice that I did start saying they because I'm reading from their brochure and their resources. So we are talking about their as in the Alzheimer's Association's foundation. Share s.h.a.r.e. An in-person six-session counseling program that empowers people living with early-stage dementia and their care partner to live full and rewarding lives as they adapt to the changes of dementia. The program honors each person's care values and preferences in order to build a strong network of support for support they can rely on now and in the future next this is the things that their website talks about and offers so you should go look if you have anybody suffering from dementia or suffering from any sorts of alzheimer's caregiver center this online alz.org slash care provides easy access to an in-depth information and helpful tools so caregiver center you can go there and you can find different um information and resources that will and they'll provide different tools that will be helpful and useful to you while you're on their website um safety services we offer safety services including med medic alert alzheimer's associates and safe return providing assistance when someone with a disease wonders or has a medical emergency so in case anybody with dementia wanders off or has any sort of medical emergency, they have med bracelets, 
medic alert bracelets and a to all timers association with a safe home return so they will return your loved one safely back home to you early stages program we provide the world's most comprehensive comprehensive portfolio of meaningful early stage programs these are programs that provide education and support for individuals living with a memory and thinking disorder their family members and friends services include an in-person over-the-phone consultation or monthly group meetings where participants learn about ways to effectively live with memory and thinking challenges. Next, dementia care coaching. Our staff, and I'm saying our again, but because I'm reading it off of their brochure, brochure, their staff provides an in-person and telephone-based coaching that includes an assessment and the creation of the action plan for families caring for a loved one with dementia. Regular contacts with staff provide ongoing support over time to assist with the care of the person with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia, available in Spanish also. Engagement programs. Monthly programs designed to enrich the mind, body, and soul of those with mild to moderate memory and thinking disorders and their loved ones. Minds in Motion programs offers experiences such as exercise, art, music, and cooking. Art in the Afternoon programs provide specialty art tours at the Cleveland's Museum of Arts. This is a lot of good stuff. This is a lot of great stuff. They educate and raise awareness to grow understanding. Education programs. Their education programs feature information on topics such as diagnosis, warning, signs, communication, living with Alzheimer's disease, and caregiving techniques. They provide healthcare professionals with the tool of diagnose Alzheimer's and to educate people with the disease on available therapies and resources. The Alzheimer's Association Greenfield Library, alz.org slash library, is the nation's largest resource center devoted to increasing knowledge about Alzheimer's disease. The advocates, they advocate for the needs and rights of those facing Alzheimer's disease. They recruit advocates nationwide so that they so that the need for Alzheimer's care education and resource is heard of at every level of government. They educate their nations, the, the nations, lawmakers on the Alzheimer's crisis and help to pass landmark legislation such as the National Alzheimer's Project Act, which mandated a national plan to fight Alzheimer's. They call on the federal government to increase research funding and improve access to Alzheimer's diagnosis and care planning. They accelerate research across the globe. As the world's largest private funder of Alzheimer's research, the Alzheimer's Association has awarded more than 30, 30, 335 million to over 2,250 proposals providing funding for critical advancements. They bring the global research community together to collaborate, connect and address common challenges. The Alzheimer's Association International Conference is the world's largest forum from the dementia research community. We drive, they drive, <laughs> I told you guys real life, they drive support from trans 
transformational projects such as the Dominantly Inherited Alzheimer's Network Trials Unit, D-I-A-N-T-U. They offer a clinical studies matching service that provides the opportunity for anyone to take action and make an important contribution for current and future Alzheimer's patients and their families. Clinical trials accelerate progress and provide valuable insight. Without participation, finding a cure is virtually impossible. So you can learn more about Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's clinical study matching services at www.alz.org slash trial match. Slash trial match, you guys. So how can you help? Well, you can help people with Alzheimer's disease and other dementia type cases by volunteering with the Alzheimer's Association. Um, you can also help by planning an event, um, facilitate a support group, or sign up for another opportunity to advance the cause. So basically, start a fundraiser, start some type of uh, like a, a run, a walk for Alzheimer's, start something that helps advance the the chances of them finding a cure help to raise funds for the cause. Um, next, you want to advocate for those affected by Alzheimer's by urging legislators to make the disease a national priority. Sign up at alz.org advocacy or email cleveland slash advocacy at alz.org. Also, you want to participate in Walk to End Alzheimer's, the world's largest event to raise awareness and funds for Alzheimer's disease, care, support, and research. Next, you want to start a team for the longest day. Honor the strength, heart, and endurance of those facing Alzheimer's with a day of activity on the summer solstice in June. Designate your workplace giving to the Alzheimer's Association. Next, attend our annual dinner. Also, make a memorial contribution to honor someone or donate to advance vital research and provide care and support programs. Also, last but not least, register for Alzheimer's Association Trial Match, alz.org slash trial match, a free, easy-to-use clinical studies matching service that connects individuals with Alzheimer's caregivers, healthy volunteers, and physicians with current studies. So, you guys, please realize that Alzheimer's and dementia is a very situated, very serious condition that's going on out here um, in our mothers, our grandmothers, our, our elders, and it causes them to be able to not function at their best um, as if they were in their younger years. So it almost takes them back to the state of baby, and they need help and reminders and. This is something that's also eliminating some of our elders faster when they should be able to enjoy their life to the fullest and they should be able to do the things that they set out to do as long as they they planned on setting out them there to do them. 
So Alzheimer's is taking our elders and our family and loved ones and friends away much sooner than they would have to go. So let's raise awareness for Alzheimer's to become, what did they say again? We want them to become a national priority. So remember, go to sign go to sign up at alz.org slash advocacy or email cleveland-advocacy at alz.org so we can make this a this disease alzheimer's a national priority because it's very important to help those out there who are losing their memory just think about if you were losing your memory if you were losing parts of your mind and i don't want to say this in a negative way and it sounds horrible but Imagine if you were just losing your mind and no one understood what was going on with you. You wouldn't want to just be pushed off to the side or ignored or treated less than. So we have to treat to get them better care and get the finances for better care and the best care for those who are suffering with Alzheimer's or dementia type conditions. So the Cleveland area chapter for the Alzheimer's Association is 800, once again, 800-272-3900, and you can also go check out some of this information that I just got through explaining at alz.org slash Cleveland, alz.org slash Cleveland. Um, The central office would be in Beachwood, okay? And then the mentor office would be in Mentor, Ohio. The Avon office would be in Avon, Ohio. And then if you want to connect with them, you can go to facebook.com slash ALZ Cleveland, twitter.com slash ALZ Cleveland, ALZ Cleveland.blogspot.com, LinkedIn.com, and Instagram.com. Okay? Last but not least, the Alzheimer's Association is a nonprofit as an organization. Their services are free and made possible through the generous contributions of their supporters. Like you guys, if you start supporting Alzheimer's, your gifts makes a difference in the lives and families living with Alzheimer's. To make a donation, visit www. Alzheimer'sOrg.org or call 800-272-3900. Their mission is to eliminate Alzheimer's disease through the advancement of research to provide and enhance care and support for all affected and to reduce the risk of dementia through the promotion of brain health. So you guys, that is information about Alzheimer's. And if you want any more information, you know where to go, which is, you want to go to www.alz.org slash Cleveland to find out more about Alzheimer's disease and other dementia-like conditions. So that was a resource corner, guys, and that was about Alzheimer's and I will be back 
with some more information because I am on a roll today and I got it. We are talking mental health, so we're coming back with more mental health. All right, all right. Gemini 21 aka Ray the Lamb you're listening to Universal Chit Chat BKA Universal Spirit Music 8 and I'm back with Resource Corner and next like I said the topic was mental health conditions so next I want to talk about anxiety disorders okay anxiety disorders everyone experiences anxiety however when feelings of intense fear and distress are overwhelming and preventing us from doing everyday things and anxiety disorder may be the cause anxiety disorders are the most common mental health concerns in the united states an estimated 40 million adults in the u.s or 18 percent have anxiety disorders approximately eight percent of children and teenagers experience the negative impact of an anxiety disorder at school and symptoms at home okay symptoms just like with the mental illness people with anxiety disorders experience symptoms differently but for the most people anxiety changes how they function day to day people can experience one or more of the following symptoms emotional symptoms feelings of apprehension or dread Feelings of tense and jumping, resentlessness or irritability, anticipating the worst and being watchful for signs of of danger, physical symptoms, pounding or racing heart and shortness of breath, upset stomach, sweating, tremors and twitches, headaches, fatigue and insomnia, upset stomach, frequent urination or diarrhea, types of anxiety disorders. Different anxiety disorders have various symptoms. This also means that each type of anxiety disorder has its own treatment plan. The most common anxiety disorder include panic disorders, characterized by panic attacks, sudden feelings of terror, sometimes striking repeatedly and without warning, often mistaken for a heart attack or a panic attack causes powerful physical symptoms including chest pain, heart palpitations, dizziness, shortness of breath, and stomach upset. Phobias. Phobias. Most people with specific phobias have several triggers. Those to avoid panicking, someone with specific phobias will work hard to avoid their triggers, depending on the type of numbers of triggers. This fear and the attempt to control it can seem to take over a person's life. Generalized anxiety disorder. GAD. GAD produces chronic, exaggerated worrying about everyday life. This can consume each it can consume hours each day, making it hard to concentrate or finish routinely daily tasks. A person with GAD may become exhausted by worry or experience headaches, intention, or nausea. Social anxiety. Unlike shyness, this disorder causes intense fear, often driven by irrational worries about social humiliation, saying something stupid, or not knowing what to say. Someone with social anxiety disorders may not, may 
not participate in conversations, contribute, contribute to class discussions, or offer their ideas, and may become isolated. Panic attack symptoms are a common reaction. Causes. Scientists believe that many factors combine to cause anxiety disorders. Genetics, some families will have a higher than average number of members experiencing anxiety issues, and studies support the evidence that anxiety disorders run in families. This can be a factor in someone developing an anxiety disorder. Stress. A stressful or traumatic situation such as abuse, death, or of a loved one, violence, or prolonged illness is often linked to development of anxiety disorders. Diagnosis. The physical symptoms of an anxiety disorder can be easily confused with other medical conditions like heart disease or hypothyroidism. Therefore, a doctor will likely perform a carefully evaluate involving a physical examination and an interview and ordering lab tests. After ruling out a medical illness, the doctor may recommend a person see a mental health professional to make a diagnosis. Treatment. An anxiety disorder has a different set of symptoms. The types of treatments that a mental health professional may suggest also can vary, but there are common types of treatments that are used. Psychotherapy, including cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Medications, including anti-anxiety medications and antidepressants. Complementary, complementary health approaches, including stress and relaxation techniques. So, to find out more, go to www.nami.org. Learn more slash mental health conditions slash anxiety disorders. That, again, is www.nami.org nami.org slash learn dash more slash mental dash health dash conditions slash anxiety disorder okay so that was a little bit of resource information about anxiety disorders what they are what the symptoms are how do you know you have one what are the causes of your anxiety disorder and what the diagnosis could be and how do you get diagnoses and what the treatments could possibly be for anxiety disorders so i will be back with some more information for resource corner but right now i'm just building it up building it up this is mental health awareness okay um i am a victim of mental health situations so i am a big one to be up on the mental health awareness so everybody you know respect people with mental health they have rights to they have um feelings and emotions thoughts and you never know what's running through a person's brain so you have to be very sensitive and sympathetic for other situations and what they're going through whether it's schizophrenia whether it's anxiety whether it is Alzheimer's. You have to be sensitive to other people and their situations. And this is a situation that I'm faced with actually at this current moment. You have to learn to deal with others as they come. And others are dealing with their own emotions, their own feelings, and 
it is our job to be there for them we don't have to fix their problems for them but we do have to be there for them to try to help and make sure that they get the help that they need and the resources that they need because how can we sit there and judge other people but we can't understand them we wouldn't want people to judge us and they couldn't understand what we were going through so it's just the matter of seeing a little bit of light in someone else's situation that you can make a little bit brighter so when you see someone who is going through a mental situation you should offer a shoulder an ear if they need any help, any advice, any help just coping with their situation. Some people may need just acceptance and they don't know how to feel because they're dealing with others who may not accept them and the conditions that they have. But we just need to be more aware of other people's feelings and think about ourselves. If we think about ourselves, it won't be so hard to think about others and how they will feel and how they would feel how they do feel in their situation um also right here i want to talk about and this will be the last one that i talk about for right now which is um a major depressive disorder with a seasonal pattern okay major depressive disorder is a seasonal pattern formerly known as seasonal affective disorder or sad is characterized by recurrent episodes of depression in late fall and winter alternating with periods of normal mood the rest of the year researchers at the national institute of mental health nimh were the first to suggest this condition was a response to decreased light and experiment with the use of bright light to address the symptoms. Scientists have identified that the neurotransmitter serotonin may not be working optimally in people who experience this order. The prevalence, I don't know if that word says because it's kind of messed up, the, the oh, pre-evidence of the condition appears to vary with latitude, age, and sex Pre- prevalence. So that was the words increases among people living in higher northern latitudes. Younger persons are at higher risk. Women are more likely than men to experience this condition, which is manic depressive disorder with a seasonal pattern, which means that the light and the the how bright the light is does affect us also i have seasonal depression i do believe so the diagnosis they the key to an accurate diagnosis of this condition is recognized in it's is recognizing its pattern symptoms usually begin in october november and subside in march or april which is right some people begin to experience a slump as early as August, while others remain well until January. Regardless of the time of onset, most people don't feel fully back to normal until early May. For a diagnosis to be made, this pattern of onset and remission must have occurred during at least 
a two-year period without the occurrence of any non-seasonal episode during the same period. This means you will not receive the diagnosis the first time you experience symptoms. If you believe you may have a seasonal depressive pattern, it is most important to pay attention to the pattern. Track your symptoms. Nothing when they begin, no noting when they begin and when they subside. This self-awareness can help. Mental health professionals will ask you about your observations as well as your family history since mood disorders tend to run in families. Symptoms. The disorder's most common presentation is of an antypical depression. With classic depression, people tend to lose weight and sleep less. This condition is a kind of antypical depression often seen in bipolar disorder. People tend to gain weight and sleep more. Although not everyone experiences all the following symptoms, the classic characteristics of major depressive disorder with a seasonal pattern include hypersomnia or oversleeping, daytime fatigue, overeating, weight gain, craving carbohydrates like pop. Many people may experience other symptoms as well, including decreased sexual interest, lethargy, hopelessness, suicidal thoughts, lack of interest in usual activities, and and decreased socialization. Treatment. As with most depressive disorders, the best treatment includes a combination of antidepressant medications, cognitive behavioral therapy, and exercise. Unlike other depressive disorders, this condition can also be treated with light therapy. Light therapy consists of regular daily exposure to a light box, which artificially stimulates, which artificially stimulates high-intensity sunlight. Be aware that ordinary indoor light typically found in offices and homes is not sufficient to treat this condition. Some primary, some primary care doctors have experienced treatment treating this disorder. Remember that this condition is a subset of major depression. If you, your primary care doctor prescribes you an antidepressant, orders you a light box, and sends you to a social worker, and you still have troubles the following year, consider seeking consultation from a psychiatrist. Treatment planning needs to match the severity of the condition for each individual. Planning ahead. If you know you have a seasonal pattern, it is something you can predict. As yourself, how can I plan for this? Because this dis- because this disorder has a specific pattern, those who experience it can prepare for its arrival in many ways. For example, exercise more toward the end of the summer, get into therapy around September, Start your light box in October. Plan a vacation to a sunny spot in January. Some people may require treatment only during the time of the year in which they experience symptoms, or they may require treatment that begins before symptoms are most severe. 
Others may choose year-round treatment. So that was about major depressive disorder with a seasonal pattern. And that is another mental condition that people may sometimes deal with. And those were the diagnosis, the symptoms, the treatments, the treatments, and how you could plan ahead. Um, So if you feel like you have that condition, which is manic depressive disorder, with a seasonal pattern, you can also contact NAMI, NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Health mental illnesses national alliance on mental illnesses and you can seek more information on some of these mental health conditions so i'm going to take a break right now you guys and i'm going to be back in a little bit so that was it for resource corner and um it's random if i'm back i'm back if i'm not i'm not but right then there was health mental health information now remember that everything that i'm putting out right now i will be doing over again in more order and more you know of a orderly fashion more organized that might be the word so this is just my test runs but you guys are here for my test runs so how how's it going how do you think i'm doing Uh, could i do better i'm sure i could but uh, let me know how you're feeling. Give me your opinions. Give me your advice. If you want to join in, you remember you can go check my bio and you can find all my contacts. One leads you to the another. So you can find me if you really try. Um, I'll be back in a little bit. Okay. What's up, you guys? This is Gemini21, a.k.a. Ray the Lamb, and you're listening to Universal Chit Chat, BKA Universal Spirit Music 8, and this is random. So right now, what I'm about to do is I'm about to put on a couple different songs that you can go look up or you can listen to real quick and see how you jigging it at. I'll be back.